Monday, August 8th, and now is part two of the Domestic Terror Special. We are talking about more domestic terrorism and, of course, the biggest domestic terrorist, as we know, the government. So here we go again with more controversial topics that uh, people are not supposed to talk about, even though the government has many times over admitted wrongdoing. Um, also, I apologize if you hear some crazy sounds in the background. I think there's some drunk people out about in the uh, streets of Peoria tonight. Um, so the first clip we're going to watch here is the ex-mayor, who was mayor at the time of the incident we're going to talk about um, in Philadelphia. And the incident we're going to talk about is the MOVE bombing. If you don't know what MOVE is, it's a basically kind of like almost similar to like a neo-hippie uh type of back-to-earth movement, except they were trying to do this in an urban setting. So, <clears throat> similar to the Randy Weaver case, you have some people who decided that they wanted to go a little bit outside of what the system tells you that you're normally supposed to do. <clears throat> and, of course, this was uh, in an urban area. Uh, so, it's differs from the Weaver incident in that way that it wasn't, you know, out up in the middle of nowhere. This was um, in the city in Philadelphia. Look at this news clip about the ex-mayor admitting wrongdoing and apologizing some 35 years later or so. I think this is safe to say this has probably been the most violent eight hours in the history of Philadelphia officialdom, at least in the modern history of Philadelphia officialdom. There is an old CBS3 broadcast with pioneers of our business. This Wednesday will mark the 35th anniversary of what became known as 
the MOVE bombing in Philadelphia on May 13, 1985, after a day-long standoff outside a home occupied by members of a radical back-to-nature group known as MOVE. Police dropped an explosive device on their row home on Osage Avenue in West Philadelphia. It was believed that the MOVE members had an armed bunker on the roof of that row home. The dropping of the explosive device was meant to dislodge it. However, at the end of the day, 11 people, including six adults and five children among them, were killed. The fire triggered by the explosive device destroyed 62 homes in all. As the anniversary approaches, then-Mayor of Philadelphia, Wilson Good, is speaking out about the incident. Today, he penned an opinion article in the publication The Guardian, apologizing for the incident that left so many dead and a neighborhood destroyed. Good writes in part, quote, although I was not personally involved in all the decisions that resulted in 11 deaths, I was chief executive of the city. I would not intentionally harm anyone, but it happened on my watch. I am ultimately responsible for those I appointed. So there you have it. The government isn't saying, hey, uh, you know, we were really the nice guys here. We should be... Uh lauded for our behavior there speaking of government doing shady stuff um i was already prepared for this episode having done last week about ruby ridge um but tonight the fbi has raided uh, donald trump's private residence in mar-a-lago florida um We truly live in an authoritarian country. The opposition of one political group or movement to just swoop in and, and use the government against the other side. And uh, <clears throat> let me read to you what's going on uh, recently. It seems to be that the uh, New York Times is the only thing that's having up-to-the-minute updates as far as mainstream media. Anything that's underground media doesn't really have any, like, footage or anything yet prove it. But um, let me read you a little bit of this, what's going on right now while we're live on here talking about government behaving badly. Here's some government behaving badly. Former President Donald J. Trump said on Monday that the FBI had searched his Palm Beach, Florida home and broken open a safe. An account signaling a major escalation in the various investigations into the final stages of his presidency. The search, according to multiple people familiar with the investigation, appeared to be focused on material that Mr. Trump had brought with him to Mar-a-Lago, his private club and residence, when he left the White House. Those boxes contained many pages of classified documents, according to a person familiar with their contents. Of course, the media... The media, they don't got to tell you who the person or how close or any proof of this, but according to a person familiar with the contents, okay? Trump delayed returning 15 boxes of material requested by officials with the National Archives for several months, only doing so when there became a threat of action to retrieve them. The case was referred to <clears throat> the Justice Department by the archives early this year. The search marked the latest remarkable turn in long-running investigations into Mr. Trump's actions before, during, and after his presidency, 
his presidency and even as he weighs announcing another candidacy for the White House, of course, as everybody knows, he you know, he's he's thinking about running in 2024. Uh so some Republicans have reacted. I'm not gonna read all of the crap to you. Um uh, weekly, of course, but you know, uh the uh, Twitter account for the House Republican Caucus wrote, if they can do it to a former president, imagine what they can do to you. Well, no shit. They've been doing it to us. People. The people. For a long time. So stop acting like they're starting with Trump and working down, first of all. Um, Jesse Waters was on Fox News, one of the few uh, people that is, is on Fox News that they still kind of let support Trump, probably because he's an idiot, uh, described the search of Mr. Trump's property as insane and called for uh, Christopher Wray, direct, uh, director of the FBI, to be fired for being corrupt. Um, other right-wing pundits took an even darker view, hinting that the search of Mar-a-Lago could lead to unrest in the streets. Joel Pollack says, good old Joel Pollack, uh, there is suddenly a very real risk of violent, politi violent political instability in this country the, for the first time in 150 years, uh, Joel Pollack wrote on Twitter tonight. I haven't seen Joel Pollack in many years, um, and uh, I have attended some protests. Yes, I have uh, dealt with him in real life many times. I will say this. That generally his predictions are kind of accurate. Mr. Pollock is wrong occasionally, but not often wrong. He's not often wrong. So we'll see. We'll see if he's right this time. Um, <clears throat> there's still some footage somewhere of, of me and him at a protest together on a, uh, YouTube. But we'll uh, talk about that later because that's over a decade old. This, uh, however, what we're going to continue to uh, give you updates on that if I hear of anything new during the night. But we're going to go forward with this uh, domestic terror special and back to some older footage of government behaving badly. If we can get some footage of what's going on at the uh, Mar-a-Lago, I might put some of that on there. But as far as right now, we do have this footage from Philadelphia. And let's look into this and talk about you know, the similarities between this and Ruby Ridge and the differences. Obviously, this is uh, a group run by African Americans. It's not a separatist, a racial separatist, or a religious separatist group uh, like they tried to make out the Ruby Ridge people to be. Um, but they were doing their own communities separate from the mainstream. The interview that I'm about to uh, show, I've broken it up for technical reasons into segments. I have not uh, edited or chopped up anything other than just to cut it. Uh, it aired in 2015. Um so this was before, you know, coronavirus and all that shit. Um, but the MOVE website 
that they talk about in here is not apparently still active today. I went and checked it, uh, and it looks like it was probably updated around the same time of this interview last. Um, so let's get into it. What happened in Philadelphia? May 13th of this year marked the 30th anniversary of the only aerial police bombing on U.S. soil, an event, sadly, most Americans have never heard of. Philadelphia police dropped a bomb on top of a house inhabited by members of an African-American political organization named MOVE in a predominantly black neighborhood. Eleven people were killed, among them five children. Only two people survived, a 13-year-old boy named Michael Ward who died two years ago after years of therapy for the trauma he suffered, and a woman named Ramona Africa who joins me in studio today. She is in Los Angeles where this program is produced to speak at an event that is screening a documentary about the 1985 MOVE house bombing called Let the Fire Burn. Ramona Africa is also the Minister of Communication for the MOVE organization, and I'm so honored to welcome her to our show. Welcome to Uprising. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you're a figure whose name I have seen, who I have read about, who I have talked about on Don't my program fall for, for, the hype. <laughs> <laughs> for many years. And so for me, this is amazing to be sitting with you in a studio um, to talk about such a historic event that, as I said, most Americans still have never heard of. Why is it? so many Americans outside of progressive movements and outside of African-American communities have not heard about what happened in 1985? Well, it's very simple, actually. People have not heard about the bombing because government officials cannot justify it any kind of way. I mean, they burned babies alive. They cannot justify that. So officials do what they generally do. They manipulate a willing media to just keep it quiet. You know, don't talk about it. Don't do anything about it. And that's why a lot of people have not heard about it. This May, uh, because it was the 30th anniversary, so it was a prominent date, there was some media coverage. The NPR did a lengthy piece on it, um, and you joined others um, to uh, commemorate it in Philadelphia. Do you think that 30 years later there is a little bit more uh, coverage, a little bit more awareness? I absolutely do, and that is buttressed by the fact that people from all over the country and outside of the country, people came from France to be part of our program. It was amazing even to me, even though I was expecting a lot of people, but absolutely 30 years later, people, more people, know about what happened to MOVE, know about MOVE, and are motivated enough to come out to support MOVE. You, you didn't say this, but I, I think it is important to just come out and say the fact that the bombing was aimed at an African-American neighborhood against an African-American organization has a lot to do with why it's not better known. Much, Many more Americans know about the Waco uh, 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 issue and incident. Um, but, you know, part of it also is, I think, the fact that this is part of our ongoing 
uh, blindness on, on the issue of racism? Well, absolutely. Let me first say, however, that MOVE is what's called multiracial. Mm. There are white people in MOVE, Spanish people in MOVE. There have been Jewish people in MOVE. Mm -hmm. um, so but the leadership is predominantly, the, historically. Yeah, MOVE is predominantly black, mm -hmm. African-American. Uh, so to respond to your question, absolutely. Yeah. This never would have happened in a predominantly white neighborhood with a predominantly white organization. Never would have happened. Tell us about John Africa, the founder mm -hmm. of MOVE. Um, his, his name has sort of reached mythic proportions, right, <laughs> these days. Um, who was he and what was his motivation? Okay. Uh, his name has reached those proportions, I believe, most likely because John Africa represents what's right, what is godly. And you don't find that, you know, out there. People are searching for that. But the bottom line is John Africa is a being that brought truth that brought honesty, uh, a respect for life. The belief that John Africa have given MOVE members is that life is the priority. Without categorization, um, we're talking about human life, animal life, plant life, the water we must have, the air we must have, the earth we must have to grow food to feed us, the sun that warms the earth. Life is the priority, and nothing comes before life. And anything that opposes life is to be brought down, shut down for good, because life is the priority. So, so that was the basis of the, the, basis. the sort of beliefs and, and, and system um, that MOVE has been founded on. And it's what put us in direct conflict right. with this system, you know, that doesn't care about life at all, who barters the air for air pollution, you know, poisons the water that we must have, puts you know, toxic waste in the earth that feeds us. So your uh, personal experience and the experience mm -hmm. of many MOVE members exemplifies an issue that is finally, after a very long time in the U.S., um, perhaps not since the 90s, become a center stage, and that is the issue of police brutality. Um, what happened to MOVE was the ultimate the worst expression of police brutality, the most violent example of police brutality in the history of the United States. Um, how do you view what is happening today with the Black Lives Matter movement, given the long history that you have with, with being the uh, target of police brutality? Well, I will tell you, the way you describe the bombing of me and my family is accurate. And one of the reasons that things are so out of control today with cops just killing people at random on the street is because, and I say one of the reasons, is because the response 
that should have come from the people after the bombing wasn't what it should have been. That should have been the last time that cops got away with doing what well, they did. Well, at least they should have been a lot more leery. And nobody reserved. was ever held accountable for that bombing, right? Absolutely. That's I mean, how do you allow that to happen? It doesn't matter if you care about MOVE, if you like MOVE. I've said it over and over again. We know people have issues with MOVE. Some people have issues with MOVE. But get over it. Let's deal with the overwhelming issue here. They dropped a bomb on a row house. That bomb ignited a fire. The firefighters who were there from the beginning, who were the first mode of attack on MOVE with their water hoses, their deluge hoses, when there was a fire, they didn't put any water on it, made no attempt to put it out. Now, when have you ever heard of firefighters being at a fire scene, knowing there are men, women, babies, animals in that dwelling, and they stand by and make a decision not to let the fire, I mean, not to put the fire out. I don't know who exactly suggested that, gave the order or whatever, but a, a crime scene, a scene dealing with police is one thing, but once there is a fire, that is the jurisdiction of the fire commission. So I'm not sure how many of you um, that would be watching this were previously aware of what happened to Ramona Africa, John Africa, and the MOVE group in Philadelphia. Uh, as far as their belief system, I didn't find anything offensive in anything she said. I mean, she's right. The government does allow for pollution. They they, they sell out and they allow for, for <clears throat> our farmlands to be destroyed. That's all true. I may not want to live in some, uh, you know, communal farm thing as a solution to that or a communal urban farm, whatever. Uh, but as she said, even if you had a problem with their beliefs, do you have a problem with saying that it's wrong for the police to just bomb people, including children? Once again, just like Ruby Ridge, Children are inconsequential, just acceptable casualties for this government, apparently. Let's go on with the move story. There is a fire that is the jurisdiction of the fire commissioner, and so the onus of it all. 
has to fall in it. And that's why the documentary about what happened in 1985 is entitled Let the Fire Burn. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, I want to, this is an amazing documentary uh, produced a couple of years ago by Zeitgeist Films. Um, I want to play a trailer for our audience of this documentary. Okay. It's called. Mm -hmm. I, I just mm -hmm. have to make a point. When we realized our home was on fire, we immediately attempted to get our children, our animals, and ourselves out of that blazing inferno. The instant the cops could see us trying to come out and we were hollering that we're coming out, we're bringing the children out, the children were hollering, we're coming out, they're bringing us out. The instant the cops could see us, we were met with a barrage of police gunfire. Yeah. They didn't intend for anybody to survive that confrontation. Yeah. Let the Fire Burn is the name of the documentary that um, encompasses and captures what happened 30 years ago, May 13th, 1985. Let's uh, watch the trailer. May 13th, 1985, years of conflict between the city of Philadelphia and a small urban group known as Move ended in a violent day-long encounter. It was one of the most devastating days in the modern history of this city. The big story tonight is the effort to evict Move. The effort has turned into a disaster. Can you describe the philosophy of MOVE? We were being taught about the corruption in this system. The system, the establishment, you. Did you consider the MOVE organization to be a terrorist group? People who threaten to shoot and kill neighbors, police. I think that's a pretty adequate description of the word terrorist. Where is it written that we could not have a religion of our own? The system had one intention, to either kill MOVE people or to put us in prison as long as possible. It's just that simple. More than three dozen Philadelphia policemen surrounded the building after a MOVE member was spotted on the roof wearing a hooded mask and carrying a shotgun. We intend to seize control of the house. We will do it by any means necessary. Every one of us knew that someone was going to die. Did you have a concern that the people inside that house might be in physical danger? Excuse me, to yes, ask me, what were we concerned is complete insanity. There has just been a huge explosion here. We don't know what it means, but it just shook the whole place. It was a huge blast. Did it ever occur to you that this might have been a dangerous device? Yes, ma'am. The fire got real heavy, so we couldn't breathe. Then that's when we started yelling. What did you say? What did you yell? We want to come out. There's no one that I know in city government that would intentionally go out there to burn those people to death. There's no one that I know of could do that. remember as soon as I scooped them up, he said to me, don't shoot me, don't shoot me.
And that's a trailer for the documentary Let the Fire Burn about the 1985 bombing, fire bombing of the Move House in Philadelphia. And joining me in studio today is Ramona Africa, the sole uh, surviving adult member of that fire bombing. And she's also the Minister of Communication of the Move organization. This film um, is very important in showing the world what happened 30 years ago because although there was local coverage in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, there wasn't a, um, you know, sort of a single um, document that encompassed uh, a lot of what happened in one place. How important has this film been as a tool to raise awareness? Uh, it's It's been pretty good. I have to admit that the filmmaker, Jason Oster, mm-hmm. uh, he came to Philadelphia and did two extensive interviews with me, according to him. Uh, he interviewed other people as well, and in the end, he decided not to use any of the interviews. There's a short clip of information from me, but it wasn't from the interviews mm. that he did. And uh, he made the decision to use archival footage mm. from the commission hearings, etc., rather than any current interviews. Um, I would have preferred him to mm. use current information and interviews, but, you know, it's his movie, his film. I think it has gone a long way toward waking people up because uh, I get emails almost any time the film is screened Hmm. anywhere in the country. You know, I end up getting emails and finding out that it's screened here, screened there, etc. It is also international. I know it was screened in Germany. Uh, While The international community seems much more aware than the U.S. community. I've been invited literally all over the world, all over Western Europe, Amsterdam, France, Germany, Italy, uh, Belgium, Hmm. I mean Spain. Uh, I've been to South America. Uh, My sister went to um, Cuba. Uh, one of our supporters went to Africa, to Durban, mm. for the uh, Congress Convention on Racism, etc. Uh, we've been all over. The international community seems to be much more on target than the U.S. community. And Ramona, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, you talked about how um, when people tried to leave the burning building, they were met with gunfire. You and one other uh, person survived, a 13-year-old boy Mm -hmm. who sadly Mm -hmm. died two years ago. Um, You were remarkably then charged yourself with inciting riot and other related charges so the trauma that you went through in simply dealing with the har- you know, harrowing nature of what was done to you and my family and your family and then on top of that you were criminalized this is part of the system of police brutality which yes. works hand in hand with the criminal justice system yes. to say that you know when people are beaten up or harmed in any way they're then turned around and charged with resisting arrest or assault or whatever in this case inciting riot tell us a little bit, little bit about the aftermath of the bomb one thing that people are probably not aware of is that police commissioner gregory sambor came out to our home 
with four warrants, warrants for four of us, me and three of my sisters and brothers. The warrants allege disorderly conduct. I think they threw in terroristic threats, which was ridiculous, um, for an event that had happened two weeks earlier, which was a non-event. Hmm. Anyway, uh, after my arrest and when I began the, the court process, the warrants that they came out there with, the charges in the warrants that they came out there with, were dismissed. They were found to have no basis to them. They were dismissed. Now, it seems to me that if your reason for being out there was dismissed, found to be invalid and had no basis to it, how can anything coming from you being out there and attacking us be valid. They charged me, at, well, before the original warrants were thrown out, they charged me with everything that they did. They charged me with possession of explosives. <laughs> I didn't have a bomb or any explosives. They did. They charged me with arson. I didn't start a fire. Their bomb started a fire. Sounds just like Ruby Ridge, doesn't it? The government gets to destroy your house, kill some of your family, fuck up your whole situation, and then try and send you to jail afterwards. That's what happened with fucking Randy Weaver. Randy Weaver actually ended up serving 18 months for failure to appear when he was acquitted of everything that they were charging him for when they came and shot his dog and his wife and his son, just like this shit with Ramona Africa, where they started something and then tried to charge the people who were there out of what happened in the melee as the result, when your original cause for being there was proven to be invalid. Many such cases said, let's carry on. They charged me with risking and causing a catastrophe. Me and my family were in our home minding our business when they came out there. Everything that they did, they charged me with. Uh, in the end, despite the laundry list of charges, I was convicted and sentenced for a riot. Now, I rioted at my own home, in my own house, you know. Um, I was sentenced to 16 months to seven years. And when my 16-month sentence was up, I was interviewed by the parole board. Parole board told me that they were willing to parole me with one special condition, that I sever all ties with my MOVE family. I could not have any contact with any MOVE person now which goes to show that this was the idea of exactly that they were that was the issue they didn't ask me to agree not to riot not to participate in any demonstrations we're supposed to have freedom of religion in the u.s that the right wing especially constantly like holds up wow so what happened what did you do i told them they could take that special condition and stick it I was not agreeing to that. When they tried that with several of my other Moose sisters and brothers, nobody accepted 
that stipulation. So I ended up doing the whole seven years. My sister Sue Africa, one of our white members, did 12 years. Mm-hmm. You know, my sister Alberta Africa did her full seven. My brother Mo Africa did his full five Meanwhile, years. nobody is ever, was ever charged or convicted Not or sentenced for the firebombing of the move house. Not one. But, I mean, you okay. see it today. Yeah. I mean, Darren Wilson wasn't prosecuted for killing Michael exactly. Brown. You know, it's it's the order. There have been a few charges over the past year in Baltimore and most recently in Cincinnati, but still no actual convictions. We'll see how those trials play out. One of the um, people that I want to talk about with you, Ramona, that you um, have uh, done a lot of support for, um, who is a very prominent figure on our program, is Mumia Abu Jamal. We routinely play his commentaries. He's been a longtime ally of Move, and like you and other MOVE members, he was also a victim of police brutality and was also incarcerated and criminalized. He's currently struggling for his life in prison, and we've been covering his medical struggles. It appears that he has now been diagnosed with hepatitis C, but he's not being treated for it. According to the medical documents that uh, his attorneys have gotten, prison officials have known that Mumia had active hepatitis C since 2012. You're talking about three years. And it hasn't been treated. Has not been treated. And this is a huge problem, a rampant problem in our prison system with prisoners getting infected with Absolutely, hepatitis C. Absolutely, but I need to make wow. something clear here. Daniel Faulkner, the, the cop that Mumia is accused of killing, his widow, Maureen Faulkner, when Mumia's uh, death sentence was overturned and he was given an outrageous life in prison without parole, Maureen Faulkner was livid. And she said, well, now that he's not so isolated and it's easier to get to, maybe he'll get what he deserves now. Wow. Now, we can't get any clearer than that. Everybody knows what she's talking about. When Mumia was on death row for 30 years, he didn't get sick like that. He had a problem with his feet swelling up sometimes every now and then. But none of this. How is it that when he gets into general population, he has all these problems? And a lot of his supporters have uh, felt that the, essentially because they couldn't execute him, they were trying other means exactly. of uh, exactly. medical negligence or something even more nefarious. And there's no way right now for us to find out about that. Um, well, it's pretty clear. I mean, if they were interested at all, as up in they prison, should be in his welfare, his health and medical welfare, I mean, all they had to do was say yes to the community's demand to have outside doctors come in and examine Mumia and treat him. We're willing to pay for that. We're willing to foot the bill. Minister uh, Louis Farrakhan said he would fly in the doctors of Mumia's choice and, you know, kick in a a portion of the medical expenses. And there were Uh, crowdfunding campaigns where people donated money. Right, right. You know, so what is their problem? They're not being asked to pay for anything. They want to kill him. They're intent 
on killing him. Well, uh, we've done uh, what we can to keep his voice on the air by airing his commentaries, uh, which can be found at prisonradio.org. Finally, we've uh, touched upon a little bit of this, but uh, in the past year, the Black Lives Matter movement has uh, finally managed to raise in a public way and in a mainstream way a consciousness among the general public about police brutality against African-Americans and unarmed people in particular, something that has, of course, been a problem right from the beginning, but is only now kind of breaking into the public public consciousness in the same way that the Rodney King beating did in 1992. How hopeful are you today? You're a veteran of these struggles against police brutality. Are you hopeful that there is some change happening in on the awareness front? We're coming upon, you know, uh, and actually it's August. Uh, this is a very important month. Uh, a lot of folks refer to August as Black, Black August. August. Uh, yes. Any last thoughts on those issues? Uh, absolutely. I was just in Cleveland for the Black Lives uh, Movement The gathering. The con- yes. Yeah. And I have to say, I was pretty impressed with several things. One, there was a ton of young people there. And these are young people that are ready and willing to do something. They don't want to hear a lot of words. They want information. They listen to elders, you know, as you say, veterans of the struggle. They listen to what, you know, was said. They ask questions. And they're ready to step up. And to really crystallize that, the people I was traveling with, we left Cleveland around 12 o'clock on that Sunday, the last day of the conference. En route home, we found out that the cops had stopped this young man, 14 years old, said he was intoxicated. And, um, you know, the people, it was some people outside yeah. of the student center where the conference was, and they stepped right up. They They surrounded surrounded the Mm -hmm. police car, wouldn't let them take this boy away till his mother got there. And they put so much pressure, showed such a, you know, show of strength that they released Mm -hmm. that boy to his mother to his parents. They didn't take Remarkable. them into custody. Well, Ramona... It's the power of the people. Exactly. There you go. That's a great note to end on. I want to yes. thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's been an honor to have you here thank to talk you. about uh, history and contemporary okay. politics. Thank, thank you, you so for much. having me. On a move, long live all of our freedom fighters, long live revolution, long live Earth First, the Earth Liberation Front, the Animal Liberation Front, long live all of those who fight you. for what is right. Thank you so Long much. live John Africa. Ramona Africa is a sole living survivor of the bombing of the Move House in Philadelphia in 1985. She is also the Minister of Communications for Move. Speaking of domestic terrorism, you see how Move. Yes, they're identified with the progressive and left movement, but right in the middle of that, who did she say? Earth first. Who came out of Earth first? Ted Kaczynski. Uh, Who's considered extreme right, even though technically he doesn't consider himself extreme right. But anyway, uh, and also just in case you don't know what Black August is, Uh, mostly people on the left obviously commemorate this. Um, It's when there was a Black Panther that was killed during a prison rebellion 
uh, George Jackson. Uh, so since the 70s, they have this thing called Black August, the entire month of August. Uh, you just remember like political prisoners, martyrs of black struggle, stuff like that. Um, update on Mumia, if you if you care, I mentioned it, but you may not have heard it, that he actually did have COVID. He's, from what I know, he's still alive. Um, and then they, they were complaining that he wasn't being treated for COVID or, or whatever, you know. Uh, obviously, in my viewpoint, a lot of the uh, methods and concepts that they're going to be using for struggle against the system on their side uh, is going to be something I disagree with. I don't agree with the approach and the methods and, and things uh, like of BLM. For example, although I clearly agree with a lot of the goals, I mean, yeah, you, you do want to end police brutality. You don't want police brutality. That's not cool. The government shouldn't be paying for you to beat the shit out of the citizens. I mean, okay. Uh, you shouldn't be taking tax dollars to, to enforce your own will rather than the actual law. Um, so, yeah, you know, also when when they say like, oh, well, so and so he was guilty. He was a drug dealer. He had done this and that. And so the cops were justified in shooting him. I hate to bring it to you. And there's a lot of people who might consider themselves right wing that, that might uh, take this as a hard red pill. But, you know, the police are not actually supposed to execute guilty people either. So there's that. Um, but on our side, we can learn a lot from number one, the dedication and number two, just the level of, of, of how active they are on, on the left. You see that they didn't just have a, 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 a newsletter, you know, the, the, the 1980s equivalent of a website. They were actually doing their ideas. I may not, like I said, agree with, you know, living in a weird communal thing with a bunch of kids and everybody decided to have the same last name and all that weird shit. Not my thing at all. However, if they want that to be their thing, the government doesn't get to decide that just because their culture intimidated the neighborhood or somebody was offended or they had too many strange people coming to their house, whatever. Government doesn't fucking get to decide to bomb you and then tell the fucking fire department, don't put out the fire. It's not okay, guys. I don't care if these guys were straight up communists, which they aren't exactly, you know, but I don't care if they were uh, Allende from Chile had started a come. We don't get to bomb them with our police. That's not what we do in America. Well, it's what they do sometimes, but it's what we're not supposed to be doing. Okay? It's wrong. You can't fucking bomb the, the citizens. You can't just kill people, even if you think they're guilty of the crime, because we have a system which we're supposed to 
have some sort of justice where we at least get to have a trial. Now, maybe I don't agree with the outcome of every single trial, but we're supposed to at least have a trial before deciding that someone gets fucking executed. All right. And yes, I do believe there are some, a few things, very, very few things that there should be capital punishment for uh, extremely rare circumstances and 100% proven circumstances. Uh, serial killers and uh, pedophiles and child pornographers, I think, should get the death penalty. However, if they're not been proven to be that yet in a court of law, the police can't just shoot them on the fucking street. You gotta go through the system and have it look you know, hey, this is the evidence and let everybody know for sure that this person did this shit. And we're going to try uh, something called Colombian Haze right now. So I can calm down and stop yelling about the government. No, I'm just kidding. I'll never do that. Um, it wasn't quite warm enough yet. Huh? Let's try that again. Colombian Hayes. So, once again, you can see the biggest fucking domestic terrorists are the government. Uh, by the way, if you did want to give a call in, uh, you've got about six minutes left, 515-602-9751. If you want to call in, talk some shit, or ask some questions, or whatever, or just go ahead in the chat here. I see there's some uh, comments about... Uh, <laughs> the Mar-a-Lago Fed Boys Barbecue. Uh, yeah, the Mar-a-Lago thing. Trump himself apparently is in New York City. He is not in Mar-a-Lago while they are raiding it. Some people are saying that there's some patriots going down there gathering near Mar-a-Lago. I haven't seen any actual footage. Um so I cannot confirm or deny these rumors at this time. Things that people are saying in chats and, and you know, text posts uh, are not verifiable yet. Uh, I don't think they're going to drop a bomb on Mar-a-Lago like they did. Um, Ramona Africa and her people. But it's more of the same bullshit where someone in power has decided that somebody's group, somebody's political group is unsavory to them and they're going to try and wrap them up in some kind of law trouble. They're going to try and figure it out. At one point, somewhere in there, they're going to find, they know, they just know they have a hunch in their heart, they have a hunch that they're just going to get in there. They know they're going to find them doing something illegal. Even though they haven't seen anything illegal happen yet, this happens all the fucking time. This is what they did with bum, 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 Ruby Ridge. This is what they did with bum, 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 Move in Philadelphia. And this is what they're doing with bum, 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 Trump's Mar-a-Lago right now, but it probably just won't end up violent. Because number one, he's Donald Trump. He's rich as fuck. 
He's got tons of lawyers. They know that. Um, so they're going to push him as much as they can within the law, I believe. And they're probably going to go a little bit outside of the law and hope that they can just get away with it. I don't foresee any type of standoff in Mar-a-Lago, any type of, uh, you know, Ruby Ridge, Waco, anything like that. I don't think that's going to happen. I, but, uh, you know, hope for the best and prepare for the worst, I suppose. Uh, but it definitely seems like they're mainly just taking tons and tons of boxes they're trying to see if Donald Trump has information that he claimed that he did not have. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see what goes on with that, and I'll probably have some updates on Monday, on uh, excuse me Wednesday's show. There's about one minute and 51 seconds left to call in if you want to. Uh, why? Am I showing this weird left-wing lady that had a commune house in Philadelphia in the 80s? Why does it matter? It matters because the government can be used against any side, any group, any individual. When you let them have too much power. If you tell them, hey, we're going to, uh, you know, raid all the Antifa and stuff, because, like, for example, I had people that was like, well, we, we need, you know, the government, instead of worrying about us, uh, you know, January 6th people, they need to be raiding Antifa and blah, 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 blah. No, they don't. Okay, as much as I fucking can't stand these jackasses in Antifa and their stupid communist beliefs, the government raiding them is not the fucking answer. Do not just turn the government like, I don't like they're doing something to me. They should be doing it to these other people. They shouldn't be doing it to anyone. All right? It's not okay. If someone uh, that was Antifa got gun get their fucking family gunned down by the government it's still wrong even though that person's beliefs were wrong if someone who was a fucking neo-nazi had their family gunned down by the government it's still fucking wrong even though their beliefs are fucking reprehensible it doesn't matter i don't care what you believe in, the government doesn't get to say it's okay to kill you because then they can just use that against anybody, all right? If I decide that I'm going to go and take up some new belief system, what if I change my belief system? I used to believe in this right-wing stuff, and now all of a sudden I believe in some flying spaghetti monster, right? They could use it against my new belief system, whatever authoritarian ideas that I decided when I was with my old group. You just need to accept that the government doesn't give a fuck about you, and it's a tool. And if you put more bells and whistles and allow this tool to be used for more things, 
the more they'll use it for bad stuff, period. It's not happening historically ever in the fucking whole history of the world. The government being given more and more power has resulted in them doing more and more good stuff for anybody. It's just not ever fucking happened, all right? So I'm just going to go with history on that and say, hey, we need to stay free. We need to not turn authoritarian against our opponents. We need to, and, and I'm talking about government authoritarianism. You know, people say, oh, well, we are so anti-authoritarian. Are you just like a, a libertarian and let everything go and whatever? You know, I may be authoritarian in my personal life. I believe in, you know, in discipline and, and raising your children a certain way and, and, and keeping, you know, doing certain religious rules and things like that. However, the government, that big file folder that has everybody's information in it, should not be weaponized ever. People need to keep the government in check. And the more we divide up between the people and go, oh, well, you know, ha, 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 it's funny that it happened to those people. It's not fucking funny because it could happen to you. Okay? So just remember that. So regardless of if you think Mumia and the move movement and all these people are just hippies and communist trash, the government can't fucking bomb you. It's not acceptable. All right? They can't kill your fucking kids. No, not okay. Not okay. And that's the message for this week. And also, uh, enjoy Colombian haze. Boiling out the fence too. Watch another